0: Thank you, Steve. That was a great song. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew, chapter 6 and verse 32. And I'm going to continue on the subject of the main thing. And I want to talk to you today about the benefits of seeking God. The benefits of seeking God. If you would stand for the reading of the Word, I'm going to read. Now, what I'm reading is out of the Living Bible. Of course, they're all living, but the living paraphrase. So it's going to be a little different from probably what most of you have. I just like the way that it said it. And uh, so follow along with me if you can in Matthew 6, 32 and 33. The Bible says, so don't worry at all about having enough food and clothing. Why be like unbelievers? For they take pride in all these things and are deeply concerned about them. But your heavenly Father already knows perfectly well that you need them. And He will give them to you, He will give them to you if, everybody say with me, if. So this is a conditional promise. He will give them to you if you give Him first place in your life and live as He wants you to. So God will take care of your clothing, your food, and your shelter. He will give them to you if you give to Him first place in your life. Now, before you're seated, when he says, seek first the kingdom of God or give him first place in your life, first means in time, in place, in order of importance. Prioritize the kingdom of God, and I shared with you last week, for me, the kingdom of God is Jesus. It's summed up in Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So, Jesus... So we give Jesus first place in time, place, and order of importance chiefly above all else. He will take care of you. Hebrews 11.6 and then we're going to finish. Hebrews 11.6 Anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards. He rewards those who earnestly, diligently seek Him. Father, we thank you for your word today. I pray that our lives will be changed by putting you first place, by prioritizing you on a level that perhaps we haven't in a while. Lord, I'm asking you to readjust and realign and reshape the lives of those in this sanctuary today. I'm asking you to position us so that we can receive a tremendous blessing from the hand of God, individually and collectively as a church. And we know that if we put you first, it will happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at your neighbor and tell him good things are going to happen for you, and you can be seated. Now, the Bible verse in Hebrews 11:6, where it says he rewards those who earnestly seek him, it might be of interest to you to know, that word comes from a Greek word that means to be rewarded in this life. In this life. It's just not something coming in heaven. But God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him in this life. He'll reward you in the now. He'll reward you today. He'll reward you tomorrow. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now last week we talked about seeking God's kingdom first. Or, and this is the way we put it, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. That's the main thing. The most important thing is to keep Him the main thing. And I'm going to tell you, if you can do that daily, all your life long, you have accomplished a great deal spiritually. There is an incredible battle going on in your mind, in your life, in your heart, over what is going to be the main thing in your life. Now, you might say, well, pastor, I'm saved, so he is the main thing. No, 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 you're sadly mistaken. There are a lot of people saved who have not allowed him to be the main thing. And so they say Christianity does not work. But Christianity does work if you do it the way the Bible tells us to do it. And Christianity, the blessing of God, presence of God, joy of the Lord, strength of the Lord, healing of God, deliverance, all these things, provision, these things do not happen unless we're doing it right. Christianity doesn't work unless the main thing is the main thing. We've got to put Him primary, foremost in our lives. As Christians, we need to know we're called to be worshipers and seekers of God through the person of Jesus Christ. Before you were saved, the Bible says you're dead in trespasses and sins. Well, guess what? Dead people don't seek God. They don't. They're dead. You're dead in trespasses and sins. But when God raises you from the spiritual dead by saving your soul and giving you a new nature, the first thing we ought to want to do is seek God. Because I've been raised from the dead. You have been raised from the dead. If you're in Christ... Every bit as much as Lazarus was raised from the dead when Jesus called him out of a tomb he'd been in for four days. You have been every bit as much raised from the dead, the spiritual dead. And so having been risen with Christ, let us seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God and not waste our time going after what the lost world goes after. Say with me the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing I'm gonna preach on this until it is the main thing I'm gonna preach us into this in the next few weeks we're called of God as new believers or as older believers We're called of God to make him and his way of living life first and paramount above all else in our lives we saw last week that we do this very simply by setting aside time for Him. We set aside time for Him. You know, what you do with your time says a whole lot about what is the main thing in your life. Have you ever noticed that? Whatever the main thing is, whatever the main thing is, and Jesus taught us that we all have a main thing. He said, where your treasure is. He didn't say where it will be. He didn't say where it might be. He said, where your treasure or your main thing is That is where I will find your heart. And where I find your heart, I will find your feet. Where I find your feet, I will find your life. We all have a main thing. We all have something that we have crowned the main thing in our life. And it should be the Lord. He's the only thing worth it. Amen? We saw last week that whatever whatever the main thing is, you've got to set aside time for it. Set aside time for Him, putting Him first on our to-do list first so we set aside time and we make him first in our life and do those two things consistently daily over the long haul that's what changes your life you know every morning I go out and I, I seek the Lord on our patio take my dogs out there and take my Bible and I take my ever faithful pot of coffee I get out there And I get into the Word and I pray, and I just love the outdoors. And I've told Kathy, I'm going to have to get some kind of a space heater and put it out there for the winter. I'm going to bundle up and go out there even in the winter. Because I just love it out there as the sun rises and the world comes alive. And I've noticed the last few months, every day about the same time, a jogger goes by, goes running by down the street where I can see him every time. I've been watching him go by for about three or four months now. And I've noticed when he first started going by, and it was early in the morning. He's a little chunky. Can I say it? (laughs) You know, you could kind of see things shaking around as he ran. And I've noticed as time has gone on, he's gotten trimmer, a little bit tighter, a little bit more jump in his step. And I've noticed that his jogging has done exactly what he intended it to do. And I got to thinking about him the other day. That man, the day came when that man decided to bring a change into his life. And he decided to make a main thing getting fit. And when he decided to make getting fit a main thing, here's what he had to do. Because I'm sure he goes off to work, uh, puts in a whole day, comes home, is tired at night. He had to make some sacrifices. And I got to thinking about the verse where Paul told Timothy, take the time and the trouble, Timothy, to keep yourself spiritually fit. And so he had to say to himself, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have to get up early in the morning, I'm going to have to do it every day, I'm going to have to put on my jogging shorts, and I'm going to have to get out there and beat that pavement and do it every day over a long period of time if I'm going to have the results that I want. So he made the main thing jogging and getting fit. And over time, I've now been able to tell that what he decided to do has begun to work and he's been begun to reach his goal and I gotta thinking, you know we're supposed to be that way with seeking God listen to what the Bible says in 1st Timothy 4 verse 8 bodily exercise is alright says Paul but spiritual exercise is much more important and is a tonic for all you do and then he says so exercise yourself exercise yourself spiritually and practice being a better Christian because that will help you not only now in this life but in the next life also Paul said if you're going to be spiritually fit you're gonna have to decide you know I'm gonna seek God I might have to get up a little bit earlier might have to turn off the TV close people magazine take the phone off the hook find a place where I can get alone with God and exercise myself in godliness and seek the face of God why should I seek the face of God because folks in the next few weeks I'm going to be sharing with you straight out of the word of God the incredible benefits that come to anybody who decides to get up and jog spiritually put in that time Put in that effort, take the time and trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. There is great reward. The Bible says there's great reward. There is great reward in seeking God. That means getting up, spending time in His Word, spending time in prayer, spending time in personal worship. Asking God as you open those pages to speak to you out of that Word. I devour the Word every day. Not because I'm super spiritual, but because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every Word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Listen, eating steak and salt grass may taste good, but you can't live by a T-bone alone. You've got to have the Word of God if you're going to live. The Bible promises you and I, it's a promise, it's a promise that He rewards in this life those who earnestly seek Him. Seek means to search for, to investigate, even to crave. David cried out and said, my heart and my flesh, cry out for the living God. I long for God, pant for God. I crave God. One of the descriptions of lost humanity, very interesting to me, when Paul is listing the attributes of lost humanity, one of the attributes is, he writes and he says, there is none who seek after God. If you're lost and disconnected from God, you don't seek God. So conversely, if we're saved, delivered, redeemed, spirit-filled, we ought to naturally be seeking God. What are the rewards of seeking God? I'm only going to have time to share two of them with you today. But I want you in the next few weeks to get ready for your life to be changed. Because if we will do what I'm going to be preaching on straight out of the Bible, it's going to change us. It's going to change us. How many of you can say, you know, I can stand a little bit of change? The first thing that God will do if you seek Him, if you get up in the morning, set aside time, or in the evening, set aside time. Don't want to get religious with it. You pick out the time you're going to give Him, and you give it to God. But if you'll set aside time in His Word, time in prayer, time to worship Him, He will guide you. Now, I don't know about you folks, but I want to hear the Lord saying to me, this is the way. Walk ye in it. I need the guidance of God. We all need the guidance of God. Did you know that George Barna, who was a famous Christian researcher and pollster sometimes, research by George Barna, showed that fewer Fewer than 10% of church-going Christians make important life decisions based on God's Word and seeking His will. (laughs) Fewer than 10%. Let me just flip that coin. More than 90% make major decisions, major decisions based on their own intelligence, presumptions, peer pressure, or fancy. They marry people and move to a new city without so much as a ten-minute prayer. Yet, every Sunday they sit in church and sing, where he leads me, I will follow. That's one of our favorite hymns. But 90% plus don't even listen to what he's leading us to do. Let me tell you something, folks. The Holy Spirit still talks. He still leads. The Bible says He will lead you. Jesus said it is imperative that I go to heaven because if I didn't go to heaven, you wouldn't have the Holy Spirit. But if I go to heaven, I will send you the Holy Spirit and He will lead you and guide you. Can we say that together? He will lead you and guide you. Say it again. He will lead you and guide you. And do you think He stopped leading people and guiding people in the first century? No. The Holy Spirit that resides in you doesn't just want to give you peace, but He wants to lead you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to be a part of guiding you. That's all through the Bible. Abraham was led of God to leave Ur of the Chaldees and was led into the Promised Land. When Moses was was Approached by God out of the burning bush, He led Him into Egypt to lead over a million, million Israelites out of bondage. And when they were in the wilderness, God was careful to give them a cloud by day and a fire by night. When the cloud moved, they moved. When it stopped, they stopped. They were led by God. All through the Bible, God led His people. He wants to lead you more than you want to be led. I'm going to give you a news flash today. God is not obligated to bless your plans. Oh, i got good plans, Pastor Jeff. No, no, there's a huge difference between good plans and God plans. 1-0, 1-0, but a whole life change. God doesn't bless your plans, He blesses His plans. He doesn't bless us doing our own thing, He blesses us doing His thing. God does not bless stubbornness, He blesses obedience to His leading. God longs to lead and to guide you. Don't shout me down now today. Some of you are thinking... It's been a few years since I prayed for him to lead me to do anything. Look around you if that's true. What is your life like right now if that is true? Can I tell you that there is a place called the place? Well, What is the place? It's whatever his will is for you. The place. There is a place where God blesses. There is a place where God speaks. There is a place where God heals. There is a place where God delivers. There is a place where you are flooded with peace. There is a place where you have joy. There is a place where you have contentment. There is a place. And and the place may not be my place as it is your place because God has a place for all of us. Not only does He have a collective will but an individual will. And the most important thing we can do is be in the place God wants us to be in. The Apostle John told us the world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God is the one who lives forever. God told Jeroboam, if you do whatever I command you, and walk in my ways, and do what is right in my eyes, I will be with you. Romans eight fourteen says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. A Spirit-filled, faith-filled child of God, will earnestly seek God about changing jobs. Oh, I just look for the better money. Hey, you you can get better money and be in hell! What you want is the place. Whatever the place happens to be. A spirit-filled, faith-filled child of God will earnestly seek God about dealing with a difficult child. Will earnestly seek God about choosing a school for your children will earnestly seek God about choosing whether or not you should go to school. And if you go to school, where should you go to school? Pastor Jeff, does he really care about that? Absolutely. Do you care about where your children go? Do you care about what they do? And see, there you are. You were born in sin and shaped in iniquity and you care. The perfect heavenly father cares about every minute detail of our life. The other day I lost my keys. I, I, and You know, I told Kathy, this really concerns me because uh, I couldn't find my keys. Sat home all afternoon because I couldn't find my keys. I was convinced they were in her car. And I didn't pray about it. I know if I had prayed about it, God would have said what I found at the end of the day. I went to go out the door. And there they were hanging out of the door. Just, <laughs> And I said, oh, no, I'm aging. I really am aging. I don't even remember when I put them in. <laughs> but I, I, I said, I know, I know. If I said, Lord, where am I? He would have said, the door, Jeff, the door. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. I have found keys before by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. A spirit-filled, faith-filled child of God will earnestly seek God about who to marry. Who to marry. So, But I'm in love. You better have God going, it's them, it's them, it's them. Well, Pastor Jeff, they're not saved. They don't walk with God yet, but I know I'll love them into the kingdom. Can I give you some advice right now? Run! You better wait till they're walking with God, going to church all on their own, whether or not they're with you, praying and seeking God on their own before you go down that altar. That's free advice you would have paid 150 for that later. <laughs> a spirit-filled, faith-filled child of God will earnestly seek God about buying a home. A spirit-filled, faith-filled child of God will plead the blood every time they walk into the mall. Lead me, Lord, lead me. Oh, how we get led in the mall. A spirit-filled, faith-filled child of God will earnestly seek God about joining a church or any ministry in a church. Choir, care, youth ministry. You ought to have the finger of God touching you and saying, that's what I want you to do. You don't want to be in anything unless it's the place that God has for you. God cares about every detail of our lives and wants to protect us from being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Romans th- or Psalms 32.9 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Don't be like a horse or like a mule who must be held with bit and bridle or they will not come with you. Don't make me have to coerce you or force you into the will of God. Willingly listen to me and I will speak and I will guide you with my eye. In all these things, we wait for God's peace, His confirmation. I don't take a step this way or that way, especially if it's a life-altering decision. You wait on the leadership of God. Don't make it on your own. That's one of the benefits of seeking God. The Bible says that when God leads you, here's the way it's going to be like. You shall go out with joy. You shall be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills, it'll seem like they are breaking forth into singing and all the trees of the field are clapping their hands. That's what it will seem like when you're moving in the will of God. It seems like everything around you is happy when you make a decision that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, amen. Now there's a second benefit to seeking God. And that is protection and rest. Protection and rest. I'm going to tell you quickly a tale of two kings. Protection and rest. Can you say it with me? Protection and rest are two benefits of seeking God. There was a king named Rehoboam. You read about Rehoboam in 2 Chronicles chapter 12, if you want to read about it. King Rehoboam started right. The Bible says he took over the kingdom right. He was doing right things. He was obeying the voice of the Lord but when the kingdom was established and he got comfortable and got wealthy and there was no more fighting, no more war, it says he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel followed him. Now during this time, God stirred up an enemy. His name was Shishak. And Shishak was the king of Egypt. And Shishak attacked Rehoboam and the kingdom. And the Bible tells us what he did. And I find that what he did was extremely diabolical because in 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 9, when Shishak came down on Israel and attacked Rehoboam after Rehoboam had forsaken the Lord. It says, Shishak, king of Egypt, came up, came up against Jerusalem and took away the treasures. Watch this now. Everybody say with me. Robbery. Now, saying that, remember what the, Jesus said about the devil? He came not but to kill, steal, and destroy. What is the devil after when he comes to steal from believers? The very thing he took from Rehoboam and Jerusalem and Israel. Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem and took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He robbed the church and he robbed the king's house. He took everything. And now listen to this little footnote on verse 9. He also carried away the gold shields which Solomon had made. Well, What were these gold shields? They were the testimonies. You can read about them in Chronicles. They were the testimonies of the blessing and the power and the favor of God on Israel. You can read about Solomon having huge shields of pure beaten gold. Can you imagine the weight of those things? And when visiting political dignitaries would come, it says that Solomon would line the highway to the king's house with soldiers holding these gleaming, beautiful, glittering, wealthy, stupendous, golden shields. And here's what they said. God is with us. They are a type and they are a picture of the anointing of God and the presence of God. And the favor of God. When we worship in the house of God and we lift up our high praises, and that intangible, tangible presence of God fills the room, golden shield. People walk in and they say, These people are not just all by themselves. I see glory, I see favor, I see blessing, golden shields. And they would line the way to the king's house. Now here comes Rehoboam. Rehoboam takes over the kingdom. As soon as he's established, he backslides away from God and his ways, doesn't seek his kingdom anymore, and Shishak comes down. And Shishak went straight for the glory. Straight for the treasure. Straight for the testimony. And stole those shields away. Now, I know what David would have done. David would have said, oh my God, I failed you, Lord. Forgive me. Lord, shall I pursue them? Pursue them, and you will recover all. That's David. And he would have gone and gotten the shields back. But Rehoboam did not do that. Rehoboam decided to fool the people. And Rehoboam ordered his smiths to make shields of brass. They looked right. They glittered just like gold to the casual passerby it looked like gold but it was phony it was a substitute it was a cheap replacement for the real thing religion having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof there is a form it looks right seems right feels right sounds right but it's brass a tinkling symbol. It's not the real thing. Jesus isn't really in there. What we want in the house of God is the gold. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's what we want in the house. Come on, everybody. That's what we want in the house. We want people to walk in and say, wow, look at those shields. Look at the anointing. Look at the favor. Look at the blessing. Look at the healing. Look at the deliverance. Look at the salvation. And now here's Rehoboam with his with his phonied up kingdom. And now, when poli- visiting political dignitaries showed up, he would tell his soldiers, "Go ahead, line the streets, hold up those brass shields. Nobody will know. Nobody will know." But you know what, folks? There's something about brass. You got to keep it polished by the strength of the flesh for it to look like gold. You've got to tend to it. You've got to do things with brass you don't have to do with gold to make it keep looking like gold. It's far more strenuous to keep brass looking real than it is to do whatever it takes to get the real thing in your church and in your life. And so here comes kings and queens and so on and so forth. And as they walked up towards Rehoboam's house, they did not know that the testimony of Israel was really gone because this was brass. Brass. And you know what the Bible says about his life? The Bible sums up his life in one verse, and it's in verse 14 of chapter 12 in Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, and it says he did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. You know what seeking the Lord does? It keeps your heart from evil. He backslid this way, folks. He lost his touch with God, lost his testimony, lost the real thing. One reason only the Bible gives. He did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. There is reward in seeking God. Say with me, he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. How do we prepare our hearts to seek the Lord? Get up in the morning, give time to God, put Him first. Say, Lord, here I am. Forgive me of any sin. I'm here to spend time with you. Open your word to me that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Speak to me. Build me up in the faith. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to spend 15 minutes a day with you just to start, Lord. I'm going to learn to do this. And I'm going to prepare my heart to seek the Lord. So here's what Rehoboam got. He got robbed and troubled because he didn't seek the Lord. Say with me, robbed and troubled now a tale of two kings here's the second a second king was named asa the bible says that asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the lord his god now one day in asa's reign an ethiopian army of one million men and 300 chariots came against him and israel and asa cried to the lord how many of you would cry to the lord if there was a million people coming after you that's a lot of folks He's got a million soldiers coming after him. But listen to what he says in 2 Chronicles 14, verse 11. And Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you. And in your name we go against this multitude. Boy, I like this guy. That's faith. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you you so he knew in attacking us they're attacking our god and the bible says that they completely triumphed over that million man army now the bible says by god's power asa and israel defeated them and afterward afterward a prophet named azariah said these words to asa second chronicles 15 verse 2 listen to this this is really good stuff the prophet came to asa and said the lord is with you while you are with him, if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Asa heard those words. He said, praise God, we're going to be a God-seeking bunch. Come on, everybody. Because now, it says in Second Chronicles 15, verse 12, listen to what they did. Then Asa led them into entering into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. And it got real serious. Listen to this. Whoever would not seek God was to be put to death. Now you need to say with me, we're in New Testament. I mean, in those days... Somebody went by your tent. Oh, hallelujah, glory to God, I'm seeking you, Lord. Seeking you, Lord, hard. (laughs) What did you do last night? Oh, we sought the Lord. Hallelujah. (laughs) And it says in verse 15, All Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with all their soul. And he was found by them, and watch this, and the Lord gave them rest all around. I brought something with me today. You could say, looking at Rehoboam, he came into robbery and trouble when he didn't seek the Lord. And Asa came into protection and rest when he did seek the Lord. There is a reward to seeking God, everybody. Give him that time. Give him that attention. You could say that when you seek God, there is an umbrella of protection over your head. You can sing in the rain. Jesus said, here's the deal. When the rain falls, the floods come, and the winds blow and beat on your house, it will not fall because it's founded on a rock. Well, what was the rock? What he just taught, the Sermon on the Mount. Well, what was one of the things he taught in the Sermon on the Mount? Seek first the kingdom of God. So as long as you're seeking God, let the rain fall. There is a protection. I'm not saying you'll never have trouble. I'm not saying you'll never have trials. But there is a fundamental protection over your life because we see it in the Bible. Asa had protection and rest. Rehoboam had robbery and trouble. Rehoboam did not prepare his heart to seek God. Asa sought God with all of his heart and led all of his people into seeking God. So, as long as you seek God, when the devil sends his fiery arrows, when he sends the hail, when he sends the difficulties, there is a faith umbrella. There is a favor umbrella. There is a protection over your life. We could say this is Asa's life. Amen? Amen. But now we come to Rehoboam. There's Rehoboam. And there's a lot of believers walking around. Pastor Jeff, but I'm saved. I've got the umbrella. If you're not seeking after God, living in the Word, and walking in His will, this is what your life looks like. So you say to these people, how's it going? Oh, pray for me. I don't know what's wrong. Hey, holy is one thing. But you don't want this holy. As long as, the Bible says of Uzziah, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. I mean, there is something about seeking God, seeking first the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to ask you something. If you had a spiritual covering over your life, which one would you want? This one in a rainstorm, this one, or this one? Has it occurred to you, if you're not really seeking God and not living in His Word and not living in His will, you're a casual Christian, every once in a while you go to church, every once in a while you really press in, if that, do you really wonder why so many things are getting through at you? I've been here and I've been here, I'll take here over here. Amen. Let's stand up together, can we? I can hear it now. Pastor Jeff was, had an umbrella in church. Folks, what I just showed you is very real. It's very, very real. And I want to pray for us. I, I just want, I want to see you blessed. I want to see you blessed. I want to see you protected. I want to see you at rest. Now, Heavenly Father, we just come to you and we pray. Lord, Christianity works when Christianity is lived the way you told us to. And Lord, sometimes it's so hard to seek you. We get so caught up in busyness We get so caught up in the affairs of this world. But Lord, if we'll seek you, you will be found by us. And you will bring rest and you will guide us. And you will help us to walk in the place that God has for us. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room. If you can say, Pastor Jeff, I want to seek the Lord. I want to seek him more than I have been seeking him. I want to press in to Jesus, come to know him better. I want to respond to this word. Would you just lift your hands all over this place? Just lift hands and say, Lord, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to seek God. If you don't have a daily routine, I encourage you, get a daily routine. Whatever it takes, seek God. He'll speak to you. And Father, I pray that this church has changed. That you would bring us up a notch. Help us to climb the ladder of our spiritual walk higher than we've ever been. That we can see the evidence in our own lives of seeking God. I want you just to take a minute and say, Lord, I've tried, I've struggled, I've, I've been seeking you some. Help me to press in just a little bit stronger. I want your guidance and I want your rest. Well, if you needed this today, can we give the Lord a hand of praise and just thank him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I I share these messages. I know they can be convicting. But wouldn't you rather be a little convicted and grow than listen to Milk Sop and Christianity Light and never grow an inch? I have to study it before you ever have to hear it. I do a lot of repenting on the patio. Amen. Kathy and I want to see you grow in the Lord. And I want to see God's favor and golden shields in every one of your lives. Not phony brass. Amen? Well, Kathy, I'm going to ask to come up and make a couple of quick announcements. And then Tim has one, too. So, Kathy, would you come? And what do you think about that today? Thank you. Because if if we go out of here and she says, you know, I've heard you preach better, I'm ruined for days. No, go ahead.
1: Uh, Prayer on Tuesday evenings at 6.30. The men have been doing that for quite some time. They're going to open it up. If you'd like to come and be here at 6.30, from 6.30 to 7.30 and pray, uh, we'd love to have you. And we need ushers, uh, both men and women. You can sign up at the tape table. And usher orientation will be Saturday, October 2nd
0: at 9 a.m. We need ushers. We had a couple of new ones today. Frank and Jose and some others. But come on up, Tim, and Tim has an announcement. And then all visitors receive a free tape. And all visitors receive a free tape of today's service. Go out there and get one, get two or three, and go give them away. All right?
1: Amen. Um, Well, we we truly have a blessed church, um, not only for the great ministry that goes on here but also that we are a church that is bearing fruit. We're seeing people get saved week after week after week, getting their hearts right with the Lord week after week. And one of the things that you know, is essential in your walk is to be uh, baptized in water. And um, we are planning a baptism service in November. I know previously we've said October, uh, but the church that we're working with to use their facility is um, scheduling conflicts and so forth between the two churches. We're not going to be able to conduct that service in um, October, so we're looking at November. But I really encourage you that if you need to be baptized, if you've recently been saved or if you've been saved for quite some time but you've never really been baptized or you didn't understand what uh, being water baptized was all about, I encourage you to go to our tape table and sign up. There's going to be more information to follow as far as Uh, literature that you'll need to look over and read. We've got a a brief study guide on water baptism that we'll be uh, contacting you with. Uh, So I would really encourage you that if you are interested in being baptized or if you know someone that has recently been saved here at the church, uh, encourage them to sign up at our tape table and uh, we will get information to them on our baptism service in the month of November. All right, well, God bless you.
0: Tim's our youth pastor doing a great job Wednesday nights. If you have a teenager... He and Maddie, raise your hand there, Maddie. That's his better half, and a and, um, lot better. He married up. All right. Ed, yeah, it's good to see you back. I need to talk to you after church, okay? And uh, Doc Schaefer didn't make it today. I was going to talk to him too, but we'll get him later. All right. If everybody's happy, we're going to count to three. And shout with me, seek him. And do it, folks. See if God doesn't bless you as time goes by. Are you ready? One, two, three. Amen. Amen. Have a good week. Wednesday night, going through Genesis, don't forget, 7 o'clock. God bless you.